bad has now been around for three seasons and coaches everywhere are saving time and being more efficient when it comes to scout cards. Coach Robinson from Texas says, the thing I most enjoy is the ease of access to all the scout cards and how I can draw on them if I need to make any changes. Every coach that uses it says that it is so great to use. If you and your staff are tired of the old ways of preparing and using scout cards, check out thecoachpad.com to start enjoying scout team and making the 2023 season better than ever. Uh, welcome to another episode of the Gap Downbacker podcast. Um, today, we have the offensive coordinator um, at Cumberland High School in Tennessee, uh, Coach Sean Cleary. Coach, how are you doing? Doing good, Coach. How are you? I'm doing good. Can't complain. Um, for, for, like like we talked a little bit beforehand, um, before we get started, kind of how do you end up as the offensive coordinator at uh, Cumberland? Right. So um, going back, just kind of in my high school days, I was a, uh, I grew up in a small town in Tennessee, uh, Dunlap, Tennessee, um, in Sequatchie County, just a, you know, small town USA type, type deal. Um, I played quarterback, wing T quarterback, played some defense, um, but kind of started coaching immediately after I graduated high school. Um, my head coach, uh, Chad Barger, he, uh, he kind of hired me on as a volunteer and I helped, um, during my first year of college, I kind of helped when I could. And that's kind of when I realized that this is kind of what I wanted to do for a living. So after I graduated college, um, actually ended up getting hired on at my alma mater, uh, alma mater, Sequatchie County, um, for three, three years, uh, after I graduated college. So I, I was there, uh, coach Mark Wattenbarger was gracious enough to give me my first chance, um, paid chance, uh, to coach and, uh, was there three years, um, and decided that I, I wanted, you know, uh, a different opportunity. So ended up taking a job in Lafayette, Georgia, which was awesome. Coach Andy Scott, who's, who's one of my favorite people, uh, really, really good dude to work for, uh, really, really good coach. He took a shot on me and hired me as the offensive coordinator there. Um, had a really, really good year uh, based on expectations for, for that program um, that we were, we were picked to win one game that year, ended up going four and six, um, doing, doing a lot of good things there. Uh, ended up not being able to stay because of some financial situations um, I was having to drive every day, uh, about an hour and 15 minutes. Um, my wife was, uh, due, uh, our first child, um, during that same year. So she wasn't being able to work as much. So that kind of caused me to come back home. Uh, a few, a few different things, uh, were involved in that situation too, but ended up, um, going on a lot of, a lot of interviews, uh, around where I'm, where I'm from in Dunlap. So interviewed at Cumberland, interviewed at a, a few different other places, and really, really just kind of bought into what Coach Rapaski at Cumberland County, uh, kind of the vision he had and uh, understood that it's going to be a rebuild um, because it's a program that has uh, kind of traditionally been a doormat uh, around the area in football. And, and he's Coach Rapaski is really trying to trying to get that um, turned around and he's doing a really, really good job. The first year um, he took over which in, in the previous four years, I think they won maybe one game. Um, so uh, they were either, either 0 and 40 or 1 and 39. I mean, either, either way, it's, that's not very good. Uh, he takes over, wins one the first year, wins six the second year, and 
really, really has that program going on in, uh, in the right track. Um, we ended up having a, a big rebuilding year last year. My first season, we ended up losing, I think, 18 kids that played from his six-win season. So we ended up uh, starting, I ended up starting a 13-year-old quarterback. We started 10 sophomores some points periodically through the year. Um, have a really, really small senior class. Um, Going to really only lose two or three that really started and, and, and played a lot for us. Um, so the future's pretty bright where we're at. We ended up two and eight this past year. Really, really probably could have won four games. Uh, we were in those games. We were actually leading two of those games at halftime. Ended up losing those games, but uh, had a lot of fight and, and a lot of young kids learn a lot throughout those 10 games. Now, I mean, you only spent really one year in Georgia, but you were mm -hmm. named in Georgia's 30 under 30. I mean, one, yep. can you kind of explain for people who maybe don't know what that is, what that exactly is, and then kind of what right. was that experience like and kind of the recognition and kind of how that all came about? Right. So uh, Georgia Football Scoop, who's a big, uh, they're be really big on Twitter. And what they do is they, you know, they do award type stuff. But a lot of a lot of their work is trying to get coaches um, opportunities, some at the next level and um, really just trying to trying to equip assistant coaches with maybe here's some job openings here. They have all of the in intel in the state of Georgia. And obviously they, they do some type of awards. They named me uh, one of, I mean, they had, there was a lot of guys on that list. They named me one of the top coaches under the age of 30. So they had 30 guys under 30 on that list. Um, first, I mean, I, I was surprised. I think it really is just a testament to the expectations of where we were at in that program at Lafayette and kind of what we did. And like I was telling you before we started recording, we, I don't know if we lost uh, a game the whole year that was under, or that was over 10 points. I think everything was a single digit loss and we were only picked to win one game that year. Offensively, I think we averaged uh, somewhere between 25 and 26 points a game. So we weren't exactly lighting the scoreboard up, but we were, we were scoring more than we were scored on. I think Coach Scott, who who runs the defense there, is also the head coach. I, I talked about him a second ago, but he uh, he took that defense when he first got there. It was allowing like 40 points a game, and he he gave up. They, we were giving up that year, I think, 19 or 20 points a game, which is pretty pretty remarkable. The job that he did there, and we were scoring more than we were giving up, so that really kept us in a lot of games. Um, but just it was it was a coaches. Um, coaches vote on coaches kind of deal. Uh, I got, I think I had a handful of guys. Uh, I think some uh, competitors and some guys on our staff reached out to Georgia Football Scoop and uh, nominated me for that award. And they kind of looked and um, saw our, our statistics and kind of where we, uh, where, where we were at as a program. And they, uh, they named me on that list. So I, I was very grateful, still am very grateful for that. Um, Cause there's a lot of really, really good coaches in Georgia, man. Now, also with that, I mean, the next thing I want to ask is, I mean, you, as you said, to be anywhere a wing T quarterback. So what yeah. what confused you and turned you into a gun RPO uh, offensive coordinator? Because, I mean, you don't run the wing T. And so right. at this point, a bunch of wing T guys are going to get very angry if they're listening to this. Um, so, but, yeah. but, but why did you betray the wing T-ism? Well, it's not really betrayal, I don't think, because <laughs> – First of all, we I say we were wing T. We 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 based in the wing T when I was in high school. Okay. And we we really only ran three plays. 
And it's probably not going to be the three plays that you're going to think that I'm saying we ran because as my underclassmen years went, we did, we ran the traps, the bucks and all that good stuff. When I was a senior in high school, we had three dudes at tailback. Okay. So we literally ran power. We ran counter and we ran jet sweep. And that's, that's the three run plays that we run. And we had three dudes to rush for over a thousand yards, like three of them. And they, and I, I, I always tell my players and, and coaches that I talk to, I'm like, I, I was probably the best in the state at handing the football off. I was really, really good at that. I may have attempted two to three passes a game. And if I did, if I completed one, it was a touchdown because they'd have literally 10 dudes in the box. They'd be have one one-on-one uh, with our receiver and then everybody else is in the box. I throw a post over their head. That's kind of how that went. But uh, as far as my philosophy, it's kind of, in that same area, I want to run the football. Like that's what I, I feel like, um, especially in high school football, uh, to win games, you have to be able to run the football and to advance in the postseason, you have to be able to run the football. And I, I'm not saying anything against the guys who throw it 50 times a game, but where, where we are, it gets pretty cold. And I know it gets cold up there during playoff season. It's harder um, to throw and catch to me in the cold and then just hand it off and, and mash dudes. So, uh, the whole the whole idea about RPOs for us is uh, let the quarterback fix the run box. Okay, we don't want to just call it RPO and throw it all the time. Our whole deal is let the quarterback fix uh, the box. If there's nothing wrong with the box, we're gonna hand it off ten out of ten times. But for us, what we run, what we ran mainly this year in, in my stop at Georgia, we were big power counter, we we're counter and counter tray. So we'd pull the H, we pull the tackle. Um, we were a, a big ISO team, especially when I was in Lafayette. We were pretty good at ISO. And uh, this year we ran a lot of buck sweep, which I love. I love buck sweep. Um, we ran a lot of that, and that was that was one of our most explosive plays. Counter and buck sweep were our two best plays at Cumberland County this year, run run play wise. Um, but I, I I love the the gap scheme concepts because number one, um, kind of no matter where you go. Um, and especially around the, the, the area that I'm at, I'm not so sure that we have zone offensive linemen everywhere. And I, I'm, I'm not saying that's a good or bad thing, but I think we, I can teach gap schemes a lot simpler to, to a 160-pound kid if he's got to play guard. You know, he, if he pulls great, that's good. But if he got to block down, then there's some angles there for him to allow him to do that. So that's one, one reason I'm, I'm big into the gap scheme stuff. And it kind of came from uh, my upbringing in the wing tee because we never, I, I never ran any zone stuff playing. I never did. We, all, we were always gap, uh, gap down backer, like, like the podcast is, we're going to kick out, we're going to do all that good stuff. So that's kind of where my philosophy came from. And I feel like it's just really, really, if you can do it well, it's hard to stop. And, and even if they load the box, there were times at LaFayette, they'd load the box with seven, eight dudes, and we got six to block it, but they couldn't stop power. So I keep running into an eight-man box, and they couldn't stop it. And that's, that's one thing I really love about it is just the angles, and it just really can fit any type of lineman body that you got. So I, I didn't totally abandon the wing team, man. I, we, we, still got some, we still got some buck in there. We got some counter. We, we use the angles. Now, now I'm gonna ask you because, and you, I think, you mentioned it a little bit, and we talked a little bit before on and off screen. Um, you, again, you had a very young roster this year, and I've experienced that before. Um, how did you adjust your system for the the youth? Obviously, the nice thing about having youth, you can introduce the system and expand over several years. But how did you 
how do you mod- obviously switching schools this year you had to give them entry level anyways but how did you modify it for the young roster especially the young quarterback that you had so one really good thing about kind of what we do and I, i'm not saying this is the way to do it or not we're a wristband system so what as far as is memorizing certain plays and certain things for our skill kids I'll, t- I'll talk about them first then we'll talk about offensive line for our skill kids they have their responsibilities on their wristband. So there's numbers on the wristband. Obviously, the number that we call, they look at that wristband. That's the play we're running. So the receivers, they really don't have to learn actual, if we're throwing the ball, they don't have to learn pass concepts per se. They have to look at their, and it has their specific route. If they're running a slant, it says slant, they know they're running three, three, three step slant. So we, we try to simple, simplify it that way, especially for the skill kids, um, to just let them look. Okay, this is what I got to do. I'm going to play really fast now. Uh, For my quarterback, uh, he's actually a really, really smart kid. And that just sounds terrible, but he uh, he was 13 years old. He's really, really smart. He's football savvy. He's actually in my honors physical science class right now. He's he's a very smart kid. He's got a really, really good skill set. For him, it was just all about not overloading his, his workload. Okay, so... What I usually have in my system, uh, if we call just a, a power play, if we call 25 power, okay? So we're set up in a 20 personnel or some people call it 11. We'll have a sniffer, we'll have a tailback. Um, so if we run power, there's a side, we have two receivers, there's a side, we have one receiver, single receiver side. So our two receiver side base is just bubble, okay? So we're looking, we're reading our, our D-gap defender and we're gonna throw the bubble. Okay, if he if he bites in on the run box, we got to where we were doing that, and he never would throw the bubble ever. He never would. So we just had a guy out there running a bubble, and the other guy coming in and making a tackle, the D gap defender. So we decided at this point, he's thirteen. Okay, let's just have him block. Let's just have them jokers block. And if we tag the RPO, which we do, that's the only time that he's going to throw it. And we ended up, I ended up calling less RPOs because whenever we did throw it, I had to tag the name for him to throw it. He was not ready 100% to read post-snap during the game. He could look up pre-snap and he could say me, me, me to the tailback and he would throw that sucker. That's what we ended up having to do. Um, As far as the post-snap stuff, we were not there yet. Um, Besides our C-gap level, uh, C-gap defender reads, he was really good at reading that, pulling it and running it or pulling it and throwing our little slice uh, RPO to our H back. Um, he could do those uh, really well, but as far as reading the second level defenders, he's not re- he wasn't ready for that yet. And one reason is because he didn't get a spring practice with us. Uh, he came in the summer, that's kind of when he started. So we had to simplify it, we had to take it back from there um, and say, hey, you're not reading this post-snap stuff. We're just, if I call smoke, you're gonna throw the smoke. If I call stick, you'll throw the stick. Um, so we ended up having to do that for him. Now, as far as our offensive line, it's it was a pretty veteran group. As far as I say veteran, we had one senior on the offensive line. Um, most of them were juniors and sophomores who had played together. Um, and as far as them, what I've done in the past, I talked to you about the wristbands for the skill kids. It has the responsibilities. When I was in Georgia, I did the same thing. I put their rules on there um, and it worked for them. Okay, so they would have gap down backer. They would have uh, hinge B gap. They would have whatever the rule is. Uh, they would have that and they would just perform that task. Um, whereas I moved to Cumberland County and they're really good. They all know what the scheme is. Like every offensive lineman 
and this is this is because I have a really really great offensive line coach and Brad Eich. Um, they all can uh, know the rules of power, counter, ISO at every single position. So they can literally, we could throw a kid in there who's playing guard the whole year. We could throw him in there at tackle, and he knows exactly what to do. So, for instance, I would just have to put the actual scheme name. So I put 25 power. I put 26 power uh, for them. So as far as they work better as a collective whole instead of just reading an actual responsibility. So up front, we were pretty good and we had a pretty good base and understanding the skill kids. Um, that's where we were really, really young, especially at quarterback. I mean, we had uh, sophomores running the football. We had one senior run the football, but we had sophomores that ran the football a lot. We had sophomores out there uh, at receiver and we had, we had sophomores on the offensive line too, but those kids have played enough and been, um, in, in the system, which the system before was a, a whole lot different than what I ran. We kind of run the same stuff. So we were, we were not really running anything different as far as run scheme wise. So up front, it really translated well with them uh, at the skill, at the skill players. It was a little adjustment, but just really making it simple in that wristband that they uh, understood what their specific job was. That, that really helped us a lot. The other thing I want to ask you, because I had, a, I had a former guest on here go from being a D.C. in Florida to being a D.C. in uh, Tennessee, ironically. Um, yep. I mean, he, he ended up winning a state title, but that's a whole other conversation. Um, but for, like as he, he mentioned a lot, on, especially on Twitter, about the differences in offensive he saw compared to what he saw in Florida and so forth. How big from a play calling and just a scouting perspective – um, was it between the two states of being an OC in Georgia and being an OC in Tennessee? Well, it was huge. Uh, it's It was so different. I, I, I promise this year we saw 90% 5-2 cover one or cover zero. That's what we saw. Number one, because our skill kids were really young and we're, we were not as athletic um, as really any team on our schedule. Um, as far as having a, a really, really good athlete, the teams, every team we played against had had those guys. So we saw a ton of man coverage, saw a ton of load to box, stop the run because we were we were pretty good. We were pretty good running team. I mean, we really were. We we ran the ball pretty well at times, um, and and we were not developed as much in the past game. So I don't blame defenses for loading the sucker up and and making us try to beat beat you one on one as as opposed to Georgia where. Uh, they didn't really have to load the box all that much because they had dudes in the front seven most of the time and saw a lot more to read, saw a lot more quarters, um, and a lot more actually spinning from two high to one, uh, playing cover three, cover one, what have you. Uh, so it was a lot more, uh, a lot more schematics, not saying that that teams in Tennessee can't do that. It was just saying they didn't need to do that against us this year. They didn't need to. They just said, okay, we're going to load that box. We're going to make you beat us one-on-one, -on -one and we're going to live with it. And and I would say 90 to 93% of the teams we played this year did that. And I, I don't know if I don't know if we saw a man coverage team in Georgia um, the whole year. It, it was it was primarily two read was really, really big there in that area. And they were they were showing that too high. And they a couple teams really, really good at it. Um, so we really had to get creative about what kind of pass schemes we were running and really had to make sure we could run the football with, with them being too high. Um, and, and we did that. We did that pretty well in Georgia as well. But just, just as far as there might have been one team we played this year that had a too high shell, and it was probably for a half. And then they switched um, because of our limitations, number one, and just kind of the brand 
uh, of football, even before when I coached in Tennessee, um, I didn't, we didn't see a whole lot of too high. I mean, we were wing T when I was at Sequatchie County coaching. So we didn't see a lot of too high, like hardly ever. Um, we'd see a lot of six, two box, uh, play cover three or cover one, a lot of that stuff. But I, I would say in Georgia, there's a lot of too high, a lot of really good athletes that to be able to play too high, still try to stop the run as opposed to if, if we got played too high this year, we weren't, weren't world beaters. Sorry. Can't talk. Uh, if we saw too high this year, we'd be able to run the football on nearly every team we played. Um, so that, that was one thing that, that really stuck out is we saw pretty much the same defense, defensive scheme every single week, um, which was crazy, but I mean, it was effective. So, I mean, it's, it's not, it's not that hard. Sometimes we outcoach ourselves. Yeah. Now, I mean, I mean, with that, and as you go into the off season, obviously you're part of a program that you're trying to help rebuild. How are you, one, what is your process for going to evaluating yourself? and kind of looking forward to any adjustments with the young roster that you have. Right. So one thing that I do, and obviously I think most, most teams probably do this, they use the little huddle stuff and they, uh, they print out a, a tendency sheet and all kinds of stuff. So I've already been, we've, we've already done that uh, this off season, as far as tendencies, what were our best plays, what were our most explosive plays, um, our, our most efficient plays. We've already done all that. And as far as for me, just, I mean, everybody's got tendencies, right? Just seeing what are my tendencies and how sometimes tendencies aren't a bad thing. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes it's okay. Uh, if I'm running power to the right and it's working. So I don't, I don't, why would I try to do something else? Um, but as far as how many times I ran a certain play to what direction, why did I do that? Um, big, that's big for me. And, and really what's big for me for, from a play calling standpoint is what hash am I on? I'm big with the hashes and I like to run certain things into the, into the boundary. I like to run certain things to the field. So figuring out what hash was I on the most? Um, why was I on that hash the most? Do I like that? Do I not? Um, and as far as the team, we got to get a lot better at what we, cause I, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to just take a, a guess and go out on a limb that we're not going to see a whole lot of different uh, defensive schemes next year. Um, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say we're probably going to see a lot of man coverage. Probably going to see a lot of loaded box. So how do we how do we do a better job at um, beating man coverage out on the perimeter? What are some things that we can do? Uh, we started at the end, end of the season this year. We started being able to hit some deep balls. So that's obviously one thing that we're going to try to do. We're going to try to stretch the field, uh, make teams back up so we can do things in the run game. Um, just figuring out personnel because we, we are losing one receiver that was that was pretty pretty big for us this year at times. Um, but bring, bringing everybody else back, trying to trying to get some more man answers, um, maybe some quicker throws to, to help us out and and really in the spring really dive in on this RPO game. Um, that re that way it uh, helps us open up that run game. So for for us in the spring, what we're really going to focus on is our RPO stuff. And I think I think now don't 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 kick me out of the out of the chat here, but I think we're going to try to mess with some inside zone stuff, just to see if we can cut down on some of our negative plays. Because ISO was not very good to us this year. We I've always ran ISO, and for some reason this year it just wasn't it wasn't a play for us. The first game we we played against a four man front, and we we ran it down their throat with ISO and, and the rest of the year couldn't do it, but we faced a lot of, a lot of uh, five man fronts and stuff. Um, but we couldn't, we couldn't run ISO. We'd have negative plays. And I really wanted to play where we didn't have to pull somebody. 
So we're going to mess with some ISO stuff. Uh, we try to run Duo a little bit, and there's a little difference. Um, so we're going to mess with that and see, see if we like it. Uh, probably not going to hang our hat on, on being an inside zone team. I'm not going to go all the way to the dark side there. Um, but we're going to mess with it and see if we like it. Because I, I think up front, our personnel can do it. As far as our tailbacks, we're going to see if, if they can if they can try that. That way, that helps us protect our RPO stuff as well. So not having a guy pull and leave a gap open. Um, and that, that'll help us a lot is being able to uh, pass or run more effectively and efficiently, I think. Now, one of the last two questions I have for you is, because um, I've always, I, I don't really, and I should ask this to RPO coaches more, is how do you structure your practices, specifically the RPO part, um, to develop the quarterback and the reads? What is, I yep. mean, there's obviously like little clips you can find on YouTube of how certain people practice, but um, how do you structure your practices to kind of make it efficient from a run and pass perspective? So one thing we do, uh, I have an RPO circuit that I kind of, I don't think I'm, I don't know if I made it up. I'm sure people do it, but we'll have, let's say we got two quarterbacks and instead of throwing routes on air, we'll have our tailbacks obviously at the tailback position and we'll, we'll snap the ball and we'll have our skill kids spread out while the offensive line's doing some, some indie work and we'll, we'll work our mesh. Our first snap is the mesh. Boom. Our second snap, we have another tailback up and we're going to, uh, mesh pool and we're going to throw an RPO scheme. So we do a circuit. We run all of our, all of our uh, RPO routes and our backside will run our access throw, which is our slant or a hitch, depending on what we're getting is for us this year. It was a lot of slants because we had dudes play man. So we would throw the access slant. We'd flip the receivers to each side. We'd throw our stick concept. We'd throw our double slant. We'd throw our now screens, bubbles. We'd throw all that in that little period. After that, we would do our inside period with our quarterbacks, our tailbacks, and our offensive line. And I would call RPOs during the inside period. I would set the defense up how I wanted. I would take my, my backup tailback and I'd put him in our slot. I put him somewhere and I would just tell him what route to run while we were doing our inside period. So we, if we called our stick concept, I put him out at slot, I'd have him run a hitch. I would set my, uh, my D gap defender out there and I would give him a direction either come on fit the run or back up and play the pass. And our quarterback's always looking at that D gap defender and uh, he's, he's making that decision. It really helped us, uh, especially at when I was in Georgia, it helped us big time putting it in the inside period because you take it from your RPF circuit to where you're not really reading anybody. You're just working on mesh and throw. Now you're taking it to inside period where you have your offensive line there. You have the tailback hitting it and you have uh, your read, and then you take it to team, and you've got it there. You've got the full picture there. So we kind of just go start from a small picture and keep adding full picture, which is our team period. Okay. And then the last question I got for you, just because I, I like asking people this question, is who do you study? Like, what? who do you watch? Like, I mean, who do you steal ideas from? Who do you talk to? Like, where, where when you're in the offseason or when you're picking people's mind or you're trying to find ideas that – add to your system where do you go well number one guy um that i really like he just got hired at north uh, alabama brent dearman i think you had him on here yes, at sir. one point he uh i i've i've learned a absolute ton from that man he has no idea i even exist uh i'm a huge fan of his um his gap scheme rpo stuff 
And he's one, he's one reason I'm going to try some inside zone stuff because I've never really been a zone guy. I've tried it in, in Georgia a little bit. It didn't work for us very well. But he runs kind of the same stuff that we that I want to run and that we run. And I really, really enjoy his stuff, really enjoy his clinics that he has online. As far as like teams, you know, I'm, I'm from Tennessee, so I'm, I'm a big Tennessee fan. So obviously can't do all, all kinds of that stuff that Hypel's doing up there with, with the kids we got, but I really, really enjoy watching how they run their vertical choice concepts, the same stuff that Baylor did when, when Browse was there. Really enjoy that. Really enjoyed watching Kansas State play this year um, as far as really, really physical run game and being able to throw them. They, they do a lot of RPO stuff. Um, they do a really, really good job. A lot of high school coaches um, around here, like I, I still talk to, to my, my head coach, Chad Barger, I mentioned him. I still talk to him a lot. Uh, coach Scott at Lafayette, uh, Coach Sam Montgomery, a lot, a lot of guys that really had an impact on me. I, I, I usually talk to them weekly at least and bounce ideas off of those guys. And my head coach now, Coach Rapaski, uh, him as well. Um, and I, I'm, I'm really blessed to have a, and be on a really, really good coaching staff. And, and the guys that are on my side of the ball, Coach Andrew Phipps, a receiver, uh, receivers coach, does a really, really good job. I mentioned Coach Eich at offensive line. They they are easy to bounce ideas off of as well. And and everybody has a, a sense of understanding on, on what we're trying to do. So really just the guys in our building and, and obviously guys that are doing it really well at the college game. But Brent Deerman's one of my favorites for sure to, to clinic on uh, wherever, get his coach tube stuff and all, all that, all that good stuff. Okay. Well, coaches, uh, get, if you want to reach out to coach, uh, give coach a follow. His Twitter will be in the uh, bio below. Uh, like, share, subscribe, all that lovely jazz. Uh, check out our sponsor, Coach Pad, our affiliates, Patreon, all that lovely stuff. Um, and that was another episode of the Gap Down Backer podcast.